Hello, future fans, and welcome to episode 47 of Future Flicks. It is the one-year anniversary. On June 16th of 2016, Future Flicks came into being, and one year later, we're better than ever. This is episode 47 of Future Flicks with Billion. everyone welcome welcome yes indeed it is the one year anniversary of future flicks i actually don't have anything entirely special planned uh, for the one year i'm just going to do the regular show but i'm going to talk a little bit about like what the first episode was like and how far we've come but before we get into any of that let's do some housekeeping and i'll tell you a little bit about what we do here in case you're new and if you're new welcome you picked a great episode to start with because trust me the early episodes not so great Still good. I still stand by my product, but we've just become a lot better since then. Like I said, this is Future Flicks. Thus, I am Billiam. Let me give you a little information. And that information is on Future Flicks. I go over every movie that's being released during the week. I tell you what it's about, who's in it, and my thoughts on it. I will give the movie a score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, aka the Bill Score. This score is based only on the trailer and sometimes stuff I've read about the movie. But let's start this episode with some housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, sometimes YouTube. I'm, I'm trying to be better about YouTube. I'm really sorry. Uh, I will get the last episode up and this one up as soon as I can. As well as any podcast listening app, you can also hear me on the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. You can reach me on Twitter at BilliamSWN and email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. So instead of starting the episode like we always do with the news, let's just talk a little bit about future flicks and where it came from. I was always the movie guy on the website. Though, fun fact, my first ever article on Somewhat Nerdy, I wrote on September 28th, 2013. Really? 2013? Wow. Okay. And the first article I wrote was actually a article about an expansion to a board game that I liked. Because I wanted to be the board game guy too, but movies just ended up taking up all my time. And I'm not really sorry, though I kind of wish I could get back into board games and, and find my way into that. But the game was for a expansion for the game Smash Up, which is still one of my favorite board games ever. Technically not a board game, quote unquote, it's a card game. I'll put a link in the show notes to that first article, just in case you're curious. But over a year ago now, because they're a little bit older than me, a few months older than me, Somewhat Nerdy Radio was born. And I thought, you know, I too can do a podcast. I like hearing myself talk. And I had a nice radio announcer voice. And so I thought, yeah, I'll do this. So I, I went to Chris. I said, hey, can I do this? To which he had to remind me, yeah, you can basically do whatever you want. So the first episode of Future Flicks came out during the week of June 16th, 2016. And that week, the movies we had, the big ones were Central Intelligence, Finding Dory, The Last King and Clown got limited releases, as well as still one of my favorite movies to talk about because it was so stupid such a dumb idea was a documentary called tickled if you if you remember that was a documentary about a movie about the world of competitive tickling and i still remember back in the day when i first started the podcast that i i couldn't wait to get to 100 listeners consistently get to 100 listeners and that was the dream and it took a while but i got there and i i realized how far i've come last week when one day i got a spike of about a 1200 listeners and i don't constantly do that much but 
I really have to thank all of you. I really have to thank all the listeners. Thank you for coming back each and every week, or at least every other week. Who knows? I don't know if you listen to every episode. I would like it. I would really like it if you listen to every episode, but thank you for coming back. Thank you for your support. I couldn't do this without you. I couldn't do this without Somewhat Nerdy Radio and, and Nerds of the Squared Circle. I couldn't do this without them and Watch Your Mouth Podcast, The Uncork Gamers. Everyone has been so supportive, and I really thank all of you. And another fun fact, the Future Flicks logo is the only logo in the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network that wasn't designed by Critter. One day, my then-girlfriend, now-fiancé, uh, sent me an image going, hey, look, I made this for you. Not thinking I would actually use it. She just thought it was cool. And I really like that. So you know what? I used it. So that's where that came from. But that's all I have to say for now about the start of the show. I'll probably think of stuff and then mention a little more near the end. But right now, let's get into it. Let's get into the news, which is always, except today, or this episode, not today, I don't know when you're listening to this, except for this episode, are usually our first segment. So in non-movie, but equally important news, reports are saying that former Top Gear, or reports have said, I wrote these notes a couple days ago, reports came in that former Top Gear and current Grand Tour host Richard Hammond has no serious injuries after he was airlifted to St. Gallen Hospital in Switzerland after a crash while driving a Remac Concept 1 car. Friend and co-host Jeremy Clarkson said that it was the biggest crash I've ever seen and the most frightening, but incredibly and thankfully, Richard seems to be mostly okay. And a spokesperson for the show said that Richard was conscious and talking and he climbed out of the car himself before the vehicle burned burst into flames. All this according to the BBC. If you think of it, if you have time now or later, just Google the uh, the picture of the car and you'll see that he's lucky to survive. I can't believe he got out mostly unscathed. For the next story, Deadline is reporting that The Mummy is on its way to take in $139 million in the world box office. But here is the thing. That story came out on Saturday. So the Mummy had only been out for two days at that time. The numbers are now in, and let's see how it lines up. So the article said that they projected that domestically the Mummy was going to do about $40 million, which which is good for a movie in general, but not good for a summer blockbuster, especially one with a budget in the hundreds of millions. I think it's somewhere around 150 million was the budget. So they projected that it was going to make about 40 million domestically and 139 million globally. So here are the actual numbers. The weekend gross for this movie was $31 million, which is $9 million short of the projected domestic gross. But worldwide, it actually did 142 million overseas. So in total, the weekend opening for this movie was about $173 million. So at the very least, they made their money back. So far, the the profit isn't that much. It's it's nothing as far as movies go, but at very least, they made their money back. Deadline in this same article also mentioned that the bucket of distended ass that goes by the name Rotten Tomatoes has been having an effect on movies. Any film that they give a low rating to tends to also be low grossing. Just further proof that those ass clowns are just uppity, pandering pieces of so I beg you, even if you don't listen to me, even if you just listen to the show once or you listen routinely but just think I'm funny or like to hear what movies are coming out, even if you don't listen to me, just please don't listen to them. Critics that write for Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic and anything like that forget that movies should be fun. And they like to actually take the piss out of a lot of movies just because it's their job. And it shouldn't be their job. Their job should be to say, did I like this? And I saw The Mummy. Was it great? It wasn't great at all, but I enjoyed it. 
It was a stupid popcorn flick, and that's all you need. All right, Somewhat Nerdy Radio, get your boner pants ready. According to Slash Film, Ivan Reitman, director of the original two Ghostbusters movies, would still like to do more films. He said, and I quote, What we've been doing a lot of is thinking about the franchise rights for Ghostbusters. Because Ghostbusters, that idea just doesn't have to take place in New York. It can happen all over the world. I think it would be really cool to see Korean ghosts or Chinese ghosts. All of those great traditions in the world have all these tales and things those people are afraid of. To have a sort of local group of Ghostbusters that tie with the head office in New York would be fun. End quote. He also mentions that he envisions the all-female squad joining up with the surviving members of the original cast. The author of the article, some tool named Ben Pearson, all right, I'm sorry. That's mean. He's not a tool. I just disagree with this guy. So this tool said that he is sick of Dan Aykroyd trying to force himself back into films because it's clear he just wants a starring role again. I'm sorry, what was that, you mouth-breathing plebeian? This is Dan Aykroyd's brainchild. Starring role? No proof. There's no proof that that's what he wants. He just wants a good movie made. Anyone can see that except you, you filthy scrub. On to news that doesn't make my blood boil so much. Filming of the Tomb Raider reboot has finished. This movie is going to be less like the old games and more like the amazing new series. That's 2013's Tomb Raider and 2015's Rise of the Tomb Raider. These star Alicia Vikander, or this movie stars Alicia Vikander, who is moving on to her next project, which is a monster movie called Freak Shift. This movie is co-starring Army Hammer. Rumor has it that the writer, Lionel Wingram, is working on a script for a Man from Uncle sequel, which we will hopefully see the return of Vikander, Hammer, and Superman himself, Henry Cavill. All this according to Collider. And in news my fiancé would love, Melissa McCarthy is set to star in a Christmas movie called Margie Claus. Apparently Santa goes missing and Mrs. Claus has to put together a search party. And finally in the news, something you all already know about, but it wouldn't feel right if I didn't mention it. The most beloved Batman of all time, Adam West, has passed away at the age of 88 after a short battle with leukemia. That's it for the news. There could have been more stories that came out in the last two days, but I've been working on notes and spent a lot of time with the Uncorked Gamers. And by a lot of time, I just mean like, you know, two hours, but still, that's a lot of time when we need to take traveling into account. <laughs> So I didn't have time to look up new stories. Anything else that I miss, anything big will be talked about in the next episode I do. But with that, returning fans, you know what time it is. It is time for me to do a terrible pirate voice. That's right. It's time for the trailer trove. Avast, and welcome to the trailer trove. Finally, we have a teaser trailer for the Black Panther, or just Black Panther, and it looks sick. This is a character I never knew I wanted to see on the big screen. I, I don't really know what made Marvel pick Black Panther, but I'm glad they did. It looks like they're going to knock yet another movie out of the park. Pixar's next movie, Coco, has another trailer. Now, there's a lot of anger from mostly morons saying that Coco was a blatant ripoff of The Book of Life, a movie back from 2014 that had the voices of Diego Luna, Zoe Saldana, and Channing Tatum. So let me read you the plot for both movies and you can decide yourself. The Book of Life is as follows. In the Mexican town of San Angel. Manolo, Maria, and Joaquin have been friends ever since childhood. Their lives took different paths, but one thing never changed. Manolo and Joaquin both love and want to marry Maria. The trio doesn't know that a husband and wife pair of deities have made a bet on which man will win Maria's heart. And here's Coco's. 
Despite his family's generation-long ban on music, Miguel wants to become a musician like his idol Ernesto de la Cruz. After touching de la Cruz's guitar in his crypt, Manuel finds himself in the land of the dead along with Hector, a trickster, and they look into the family history and unlock the story behind the family's ban on music. See? Different! Different! Goddamn movies! Both films involve the land of the dead and characters traveling through it. Holy sh**. Someone call a lawyer. They're blatantly ripping it off. Wow, Coco. Slow your roll. Get some original material, am I right? No, these are two completely different movies. Do, do they share some similarities? Yes. Oh my god, yes they do. But that doesn't mean it's a ripoff at all. Has there been controversy about Pixar and Disney stealing ideas from other people? Yes, of course there has. But there's no proof that this is one of them. Just because even if they did take an idea, they changed it so much that it is now their own. Anyone, if you hear, if you hear anyone say that, that Coco is going to be a Book of Life ripoff, you smack them in the face. Okay, please don't do that. That would be assault. What you should do is put them in their place and tell them what's up. Tell them Billiam sent you and that they're stupid. Well, everyone, that is it for the trailer trove. Yeah, only two this week. Okay, there are more than two, but only two that interest me. If I missed anything or if you think there's something interesting I missed, let me know. But let's jump into the movies. We have 10 this week. And the first one is called The Journey. This is a fictional account of the story of the peace process in Northern Ireland and the friendship that formed between Democratic Unionist Ian Paisley and the former IRA leader and Irish Republican Martin McGuinness. This stars Timothy Spall from the Harry Potter series, Colm Meany from Star Trek The Next Generation, the late John Hurt from V for Vendetta, Toby Stevens from Black Sails, and Freddie Highmore from Bates Motel. This movie is probably the most controversial movie you've never heard of. That is, unless you live in Ireland and you follow movie news. Why is this so controversial, you may ask? Because none of it really happened. You may be saying, well, no sh**, Billiam. You said this was a fictional account. Exactly. Here's a little about that before we talk about the movie. Lots of people are angry because this isn't based on actual events, but screenwriter Colin Bateman said that he never once claimed this was a this was real, and that people are getting the terms documentary and drama confused. He s did say that it was confirmed to him and the director that the two political heads did travel together by car to get home to Belfast. So people are angry because it's not real, but not once did they claim this is real. This is how stupid people can be. Let's talk about this as a movie. It looks really good with fantastic performances by both Spall and Meany. This is a straight up drama, so don't expect anything light. What you're going to see is how these two people with fundamentally different beliefs hate each other with every fiber of their being, but slowly came to understand and respect each other. Please don't make the mistake that so many others have and go into this expecting history. The, out the eventual outcome may be true to life. This looks like a good movie, but it should be watched as historical fiction. Keyword, fiction. Big, bold letters, fiction. The journey is going to have great performances, like I said, from Spall and Meany, a good story, beautiful scenery, and a look into the minds of two people that brought peace to a long-fought war. Give this movie a shot, but guess what? Just not in theaters. This isn't going to get a wide release, so you'd be lucky if it even came to your area. Check it out once it comes out on some streaming service. The Journey gets an 8 out of 11. Next up, future fans, is a movie called Kill Switch. 
the planet finds a source of unlimited energy, and shortly after, vehicles start falling out of the sky. Oh, sh**. Will Porter is taken away by the government and sent on a mission to another Earth to solve the problem. This stars Dan Stevens from Beauty and the Beast. According to the trailer, this movie is brought to us by visionary director Tim Smith. So what other work has this visionary director worked on? What movies has this golden vision of his touched and brought into being? Nothing. Nothing at all. This is his first movie. Let's back up and talk about the definition of visionary. Based on this definition, here it is, especially of a person thinking about or planning the future with imagination or wisdom. All right, by that standard, every director ever is a visionary. And thus, Tim Smith, no, not Schmidt, Smith, S-M-I-T, is just some dude who made a movie. But of course, this is a hype word. This is a buzz word. This is a word that the person who made this trailer, obviously not Trailer Guy because it looks terrible, but Discount Trailer Guy made this and wanted to try and make us think that this guy that we've never heard of is some fantastic director when he's not. Normally, when we think of visionary directors, we think of really big ones like Martin Scorsese. We're going to think of Alfred Hitchcock, Sophia Cole. Coppola, John Singleton, Spike Lee, we're going to think of people like this, people who are actually good, not someone who has never directed a film before. Normally, this is where I would say something along the lines of, well, I haven't seen this movie yet, it does look good, so we can see what this guy is really capable of. But no, this movie doesn't look good. To get a feeling for what to expect, just imagine the Tom Cruise movie Oblivion and Hardcore Henry had a baby. Now imagine that they had that baby and immediately dropped it on its head. Now you have Kill Switch. This film is a straight-to-video release that somehow got a theatrical release. You know what this movie really looks like? It looks like there's some new first-person shooter that came out and some D-list company was hired to make a movie to go with the deluxe edition of the game. Why did I mention first-person shooter? Why did I mention Hardcore Henry earlier? Because most of this movie, at least from the looks of the trailers, most of this movie is in first person. So Dan Stevens and Handsome Brit, we only see a little bit of him. If the trailer, again, if the trailer is to be believed. So if you get motion sick, stay the hell away from this movie. This shouldn't see a theatrical release. It looks corny and poorly done. I don't know how they got Dan Stevens for this. He's not terribly famous yet, but he was in one of the most popular shows in the last 10 years, Downton Abbey, as well as one of the few movies to break the billion dollar worldwide mark, Beauty and the Beast. So what? Did he really want a new pool or something and this movie was going to give him enough money to do it? Did he really want to remodel his kitchen so he decided to do this jerk off of a movie? I don't know why. Here's what I gathered from the trailer. This unlimited energy machine is actually stealing energy from the other Earth. So basically we said, F you guys, you die so we can live. And Dan Stevens has to go to the other world and help us kill them. Skip this movie. Don't even watch it at home. This is a terrible idea. It should never have been made. It may have had promise at one point, but somewhere along the line, that promise was lost. Kill Switch gets a 1 out of 11. Alright, future fans. All right, future friends. That sounds nicer and less pretentious of me, right? Okay, I'll jump between those two. All right, future friends. The next two movies are foreign films that will get limited showing. So please just remember that limited could mean that each major city has one place showing it or just one or two showings in the whole country. I am not privy to how limited a showing can be. So if these next two movies don't come anywhere near you, don't be surprised.
They're still worth a mention just in case something about it resonates with you and you're really interested and want to see it. And then you can just make a note going, oh, I probably won't see this near me. So I'm going to just make a little note and uh, look for it when it comes out on DVD, streaming, whatever. But let's move on. The next movie this week is called I, Daniel Blake. Daniel Blake had a heart attack at the young age of 59. He now must fight the bureaucracy for unemployment and support allowance. The problem is, the bureaucracy wants to take it away and force the sick man to get a job. This is a British film directed by British socialist realism director. Yep, that I looked it up. That's the one of the titles he has. British socialist realism director Ken Loach, who is a hipster movie lover's wet dream. I'm not saying this guy isn't good, but he focuses on social commentary movies so that will give a serious hard-on to any indie film lover. I can't comment on this as a piece of political commentary, first because this is future flicks, not future politics, so as you may know, I try to limit my political talk to only what's necessary. And second, because this has to do with British politics, which I know nothing about. In our entire relationship, Anne has only brought up politics a couple times, and she actually votes, so that's how little I know about the UK politics. So like I said, this is a political commentary movie about social problems and poverty and unfair bureaucracy in the UK. So unless you're the super political type and you touch yourself to C-SPAN or you love British dramas set in modern times, this movie probably isn't for you. It's going to show us how the system fails people and how people can get f***ed over even though they did nothing wrong. Again, I'm not up with British politics, so I can't comment on how real this is, or if this is just super blowing stuff out of proportions, or maybe it's not even being totally honest and things are worse. I don't know. But this, as a movie, the acting looks really good. This looks like a deep and dark drama that's probably just going to make you angry and make you leave angry. And then if you're American or whatever country you're from, think about your own politics there and even make maybe even make you angrier. Best case scenario, Daniel Blake somehow wins the day, but there are still countless others getting reamed by the system. So watch this if you want to watch a drama with good acting and a heavy-handed social message. Otherwise, skip this. I, Daniel Blake, gets a 5 out of 11. The next in the limited release movies coming out, and the next and final actually, is a movie called Mod. Maude Lewis is a woman with near-crippling arthritis. After her brother sells their parents' house, the house she's living in, she needs to find a new place and responds to an ad placed by a man wanting a housekeeper. Maude starts painting in her free time and slowly her work gets noticed and her popularity starts to grow. This stars Sally Hawkins from the 2011 version of Jane Eyre and Ethan Hawke from Sinister. This is a biopic about a Canadian artist who had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And if you don't know what that is, just imagine something that starts out as swollen and painful in the in the joints and eventually turns crippling. So bad that your hands turn into knotted balls. Like my, my grandmother, my, my grandmother on my dad's side had rheumatoid arthritis and she was in constant pain. The last years of her life, she couldn't even sleep in a bed. She was always sitting in in her recliner just because it's the only way she could at least get some sleep and so the fact that a woman who had this since she was a little girl that became a painter blows my mind on that happy note 
Let's talk about this movie. This looks like My Fair Lady and Big Eyes had a baby, and it just so happens to be biographical. Unlike The Journey, this one isn't super fictionalized. Of course, some of it is because this is a movie, not a documentary, but we won't split hairs with that. Unlike the previous movie, this is a drama, but it's going to be somewhat uplifting. If you've never heard of her, Maude Lewis is arguably one of the most famous folk artists, especially when it comes to folk artists out of Canada. And this movie is about her rise from being almost homeless to national fame. The good thing for her is, unlike artists like Vincent van Gogh, she was able to enjoy her popularity, so we're going to see that affect her. Will she enjoy it right away? Will it take some getting used to? That's the question. But, but quick aside, mentioning Vincent van Gogh made me remember my favorite episode ever of Doctor Who. I'm going to put a link to this scene, just the short scene, not the whole episode, in the show notes. This was the episode where the Doctor and Amy Pond visit Vincent van Gogh, and eventually they bring him to our time and show him an art gallery with his works in it. There's the curator played by Bill Nye and he talks about how great Van Gogh is and it brings real Van Gogh to tears. This is an amazing scene. One of the best scenes in all of television. Like the, the episode itself, it can't got a little goofy just like all of Doctor Who does, but this scene alone is truly amazing. Check it out. Moments like that are what help make Doctor Who a fantastic show. So even if you don't think you'll like the entire series, just check out this one scene. All right, end of tangent. Maude is going to be a bittersweet drama with a hint of romance that's going to show us the struggles this artist went through and the touchy relationship she had with her landlord slash boss that turned into more. As far as a movie to watch in theaters, this has a few strikes against it. First and probably the biggest reason, this is a limited release, like I said, so you may not even find it. Second, this isn't a movie that would benefit from a theater watch. And third, it looks good, but not good enough to override the last strike. So let's recap. Not bad looking at all. Just not good enough to warrant effort. Good performances by two actors we don't see a lot of, and an uplifting true story. So definitely keep this in your mind, or make a note this is something to watch later. This will be good, but not for now. Mod gets a 7 out of 11. And you know what? I was going to do one move, more movie before the break, but let's just do the break now. This is going to be a long episode, because as you know, usually by the 30-minute mark, I'm most of the way done, and I'm about halfway there now. So, of course, this is the one-year anniversary feature flick, so of course it's going to be a little longer. It just so happens it's a little longer, not because of anything special I'm doing, but because it's a big week. So stay tuned for some words from our friends at The Bloodlust, Somewhat Nerdy Radio, and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Stay tuned. Imagine yourself on a journey with the somewhat nerdy radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the somewhat nerdy radio podcast. The bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, 
Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Yeah! Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Do you like horror movies? So do we. Fucks is the lie ball yep. out. Just Spooks it on out. She yeah. was great. Do you like American Horror Story? So do we. There were some butts. Yep. Killings. Yep. Butt. Yep. Killings. Butt. Yep. Killings. It's over 90% cheek. That's your butt. You see the essence of the butt. Are you into vampires dancing in mesh tank tops? Us too. I was mesmerized by the mesh tank top and leather pants. Are you into high-minded film critique and discussion? Because we've got that. And it is beautifully filmed. Like, it really... Just the stark contrast of colors, like you said. Not your thing? How about a dick joke? His dick, dude. He put his yeah. dick in a f***ing dick. Come on. We've also got one dude to give dude perspective. Zombie apocalypse is no time to have your head in the pussy clouds, Mickey. This is survival. <laughs> Thank you. So head over to iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you listen, and subscribe to The Bloodlust, your go-to podcast for classy broads and a token dude talking horror. All right, folks. Well, welcome back to the show. It is time for the second half, and the second half is going to have the bigger movies of the week. So let's jump right into it. The first movie back from break is Cars 3. After suffering a startling defeat, Lightning McQueen must train to win one last time to prove that he's the greatest race car ever. This features the voices of Owen Wilson from Masterminds, Chris Cooper from 112263, The King of Nerds, Nathan Fillion, stand-up comedians Cristela Alonzo and Larry the Cable Guy, and Army Hammer from The Man from Uncle. Right, is there anyone here that's surprised that I talked about this movie so early? Because, you know, usually I save the best ones and the ones I'm most excited for for the end, but this one is right after the break. Earlier this year, when I was just looking through all the summer blockbusters and just kind of prepping myself for what I was going to see, this was my pick, but as time went on and... My various sources, IMDb and Box Office Mojo and all these other places, added more releases to their list. Cars 3 just kept on getting bumped down and down and down. And now here it is. It's still not a bad movie or bad looking movie, but it's just not anywhere near the top. This still looks good, but still, like I said, nowhere near my pick. I've never seen any of the Cars movies as they've never interested me, but I do love Pixar. However, this series has always left me feeling cold. I've heard people talk about this like it's a last Cars movie, and if you believe that, you're underestimating the power of money. Cars 1 and 2 have always been near the bottom when it comes to ratings and overall gross. Though the true lowest grossing Pixar movie is The Good Dinosaur, Cars and Cars 2 were kind of were near the bottom as well. However, Cars 2 is the lowest rated Pixar movie ever. From what fans of Pixar have told me, friends of mine that love Pixar movies told me that Cars 2 was just a mess and had none of the magic the first one did. But it looks like this one brings that magic back. But Billiam, you may be asking, if this series for Pixar is con- consistently low rated and not great as far as the overall gross goes, why make a third one? Because of the goddamn merchandise. This movie series sells more merchandise than anything else Pixar has ever 
done. That being said, this one looks like it's going to be the best Cars movie yet. Remember, since I haven't seen the first two, I'm only commenting on this as far as the trailers go and what I've heard from friends. This one looks like it has a deeper and more familiar story. If you remember back when I talked about this when the third trailer dropped, in the trailer trove, I mentioned that this was going to be more like a Rocky movie. Lightning McQueen is going to crash hard and lose a race and will have to train in order to beat the new car. Look, you already know if you're going to see this movie. Either you're a fan of cars from way back, you're a Pixar super fan, or you have children who are begging you to see this. If you fit into one of those categories, then you're going to see this movie. If you have kids, definitely see this movie. It will be a good wholesome movie to take them to but it will also be good enough for an adult to enjoy so you won't be bored out of your minds this may not be great but even the worst pixar movie is enjoyable this is going to be a beautiful looking film that's going to come packed with laughs mild action and a familiar story so it's going to be a safe bet and the best bet if you have kids cars 3 gets a 7 out of 11 all right folks next up on the show is a movie called 47 Meters Down. Two sisters are vacationing in Mexico and decide to go on a shark-watching trip in a cage in the middle of the ocean. The problem is, the line holding their cage in place snaps and they fall to the ocean floor 47 meters down. There, they're running out of oxygen but can't leave the cage because the sharks are waiting. The stars Mandy Moore from This Is Us, Claire Holt from The Vampire Diaries, and Matthew Modine from Stranger Things. Welcome, everyone, to the love child of Cujo and Jaws. The dog swam out in the middle of the ocean and f the shark. That's how this movie was made. This was originally supposed to be a straight-to-DVD or a video-on-demand title until it was bought by another company and renamed from In the Deep to 47 Meters Down and given a wider release, or a release at all. So here's a movie that was actually supposed to be a straight-to-video title, and I'm not going to compare it to the usual straight-to-video fare. This looks like a low-budget B-movie, but one that's just good enough to warrant a theater release. I wouldn't see this, I am not going to see this in theaters, but it just makes a cut of something that's not absolutely stupid to put in a theater. Will this do well? Hell no, but it will get enough people to see it to make the theatrical release worth it. This title takes a scene in Jaws where Matt Hooper is trapped in the cage while the shark tries to bite his ass off and turns into a full movie. And why not? Making a whole movie about this takes a suspenseful scene and stretches it out into an 89-minute horror thriller. It was written by and directed by Johannes, or Johannes, I don't know which one it is, Roberts, who knows his way around B-list horror movies. It's kind of his thing. If you do go see this movie, do so expecting to watch a mildly cheesy horror movie. Some of the reviews I've read about the film make me wonder what the hell are people expecting. If you go and see this film expecting anything other than what I've already mentioned, a cheesy and mildly entertained horror movie, then you are a gigantic douchebag and deserve to be let down. 47 Meters Down isn't a film that's going to require a theatrical viewing. Save this to watch at home, but do check it out because it looks entertaining. And just remember, don't expect some mind-blowing movie. Expect a fun movie. 47 Meters Down gets a 7.5 out of 11. And the next movie on the list is a trip back to the 90s. No, not this time in the form of a remake, but just in subject matter. The next movie is All Eyes On Me. This is the biopic of famed rapper Tupac Shakur. This stars newcomer Demetrius Ship Jr. as Tupac, 
Kat Graham from The Vampire Diaries, and Jamal Woolard from Notorious. Here's a movie that's been controversial from day one. This film almost didn't get made because the project had been in limbo since 2009, but only got traction behind it after the release of Straight Outta Compton. Here's a brief synopsis of the controversy before we talk about the movie. Amaru Entertainment, which was founded by Shakur's mother, was being sued by Morgan Creek Entertainment for the rights to Tupac's story. The parties settled in 2011, and between 2011 and 2015 had two changes of directors, and also lost the blessing of Afeni Shakur, the mom, but legally she couldn't stop them anymore. Instead, she gave her blessing to a documentary that's in the works right now from the 12 Years a Slave director, Steve McQueen. But enough about that, let's talk about the movie, because that's why you're here, to talk about movies. This looks good, despite the shit that happened before it finally got made. The director who landed the project is one Benny Boom, who mostly does low-budget B-movies and music videos. The only reason I bring this up, of course, is that we can't rely on the previous work of this director to give us a hint at the quality of the movie. He obviously knows his way around music because of all the music videos. Will that help with a musician's biopic? Maybe. But it is still too early to tell. What I can say about this movie is that Demetrius Ship Jr. was the right pick. He looks the part, and he sounds the part, and best of all, he can act, at least in this role. We will also see a lot of characters from straight out of Compton in this movie, but played by a whole bunch of new actors. We'll get to see Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, and Suge Knight all over again. I've never read anything about Shakur, so I have no idea how accurate this movie is. All I know is that the film is going to touch on his time at all of his labels, Interscope, Death Roll, and Machiavelli. Though Machiavelli may not be mentioned much, seeing as he only worked for them for one year, and I'm not even certain if he had left Death Row and to work with Machiavelli, or if Machiavelli is part of Death Row, I don't know what that what what the deal with that is, so... I could be wrong on that last part, but I know he went from Interscope to Death Row. And here's my question about the movie. Earlier this year, Suge Knight signed an affidavit saying that the then head of security for Death Row, Reggie Wright Jr., was the one who shot Shakur, and the real target had been Suge Knight. Will the movie mention this at all, or was it filmed before this information came out? Also, can we trust Suge Knight? Can we trust this guy at all? He signed an affidavit, so what? Doesn't mean he's telling the truth. As a movie, this looks good. Not great, not the movie I wanted to see based on the life of the person who basically was the face of gangster rap, but it looks good nonetheless. If you watch this, watch it at home, you'll see a good story, maybe learn some things about Shakur, and see some good acting. If you really want to know more about, this, about Tupac Shakur's story, I'd wait for the documentary to come out. All Eyes on Me gets a seven out of 11. All right, folks, next up this week, we have a movie that hardly anyone actually knows is coming out, but I think more people would see it if they knew. A movie called Once Upon a Time in Venice. Private detective Steve Ford's dog gets taken, and in order to get his dog back, he has to steal a briefcase of cocaine from a drug dealer's ex-girlfriend. With the help of his friend, as well as his assistant, he goes in search of the drugs. This stars Bruce Willis from everyone's favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard, Jason Momoa from Game of Thrones, John Goodman from Tent Cloverfield Lane, Famke Jensen from Hemlock Grove, and Thomas Middleditch from Silicon Valley. Did you ever want to see what happened if John Wick and Red banged? Well, now you get to. Here we have Once Upon a Time in Venice. So I just rewatched the trailer like I always do when I record, and I scrolled down. I should, I should really know better. 
I scrolled down to see what the YouTube comments were saying, and by God in heaven, these people are pants-on-head retarded. These mouth-breathers compared the movie to John Wick or Keanu, but unlike me, they weren't joking. It was an honest criticism. If you go into this movie or watch this trailer expecting anything other than a mindless action comedy, then you need to sit down and rethink your life because you are way too f***ing serious. This is the epitome of the type of movie you should watch at home while throwing back a few beers. This is just simple fun, and trying to take it seriously will only end poorly. You ruin what could be a fun movie by nitpicking it. That's why as much as I hate critics, I pity them, because it must suck to be them. True, they're getting paid to talk about movies, but still, they don't enjoy them anymore. They're just that sit in a chair and pick something to death. This is the type of movie that you watch at home. It's simple, fun, and trying to take it too seriously, like I said, will just take away from any enjoyment you can have from this. We've all seen these people, with the exception of Jason Momoa, play characters like this before. This film isn't going to stretch their acting abilities at all. This was probably just a fun movie that, that threw enough money at these people, so they decided to jump on board. This isn't going to be good or bad. It's simply going to be entertaining, so if you're okay with that, if you're okay with movies just being fun, that doesn't necessarily have to be great, then check this out. And I implore you, if you are not one of those people, just work on it. Maybe try and change your approach when you go into a film, because there's so many great movies out there that aren't good, with, you know, sarcastic air quotes, but they're great because of their entertainment value. And I think too many movies get overlooked because of this. Like, Edge of Tomorrow came under a lot of fire from critics and even viewers, but I loved it. I thought it was really fun. So, Once Upon a Time in Venice, keep that on your list. And remember, just watch it for an enjoyable movie. Once Upon a Time in Venice gets a 7 out of 11. And next up is the second to last movie. So this is the last movie that didn't make it as my pick. And that movie is called Rough Night. Jess is getting married. And at her bachelorette party, they accidentally kill the stripper. This stars Scarlett Johansson from Captain America Civil War, Jillian Bell from Workaholics, Kate McKinnon from Office Christmas Party, Zoe Kravitz from Detergent, and Ilana Glazer from Broad City. And here we have another love child, folks. This time it's the love child of Very Bad Things and The Hangover. And once again, just like the last movie, we have people saying that this movie is going to be sh** because it's a lot like Very Bad Things and The Hangover. Of course it does. Of course this movie does. Guess what? I have the same argument about this film, too. This is a dumb, raunchy comedy with a rehashed plot. If you seriously expect anything else, you are a moron. If you don't think this looks good, that's fine. I'm not judging you for that. I'm judging the people who jump on some sort of critic high horse and look down on this because it's an easy movie and because it has a familiar plot. You, my future fans, are not morons. So you know that if you don't like a movie, don't watch it. There we go. Simple as that. If this type of film doesn't interest you, then you skip it. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. I think this looks hilarious, but I like these generic modern comedies. They work for me. This formula works for me. What is interesting, though, if you watch the trailers, Scarlett Johansson hardly has any lines at all. She's hardly in it compared to the other people. And 
I think that this is because even though she's supposed to be the main character, she's the one getting married. I have a feeling she's just going to be a version of Doug from The Hangover that we just see more. From the scenes of the trailer that we do see Scarlett Johansson speak in, it seems like she actually has a different character than all of her other movies. Because you know how I feel about her. I, she has potential. She has done a lot of good work. But recently she's been playing the same damn role and it gets boring i am bored with her i was hoping this one is going to be different but the trailers don't show me enough to prove to me that's going to be fully different maybe they just pick the couple scenes where she's acting all wild and crazy and using that to entice us and maybe for the rest of the film she's just going to be her boring old self whether that's the case or not she has a fantastic supporting cast jillian bell kate mckinnon Ileana glazer fantastic when it comes to comedy zoe kravitz i'm not familiar with her comedy a lot because I don't think she's done many but she's a she's a decent actress and it looks like she's doing a really good job in this film so Scarlett Johansson has these four women backing her up and I think that's going to save this movie I think that's what's going to make this a watchable movie instead of something cringeworthy what I really want to see in this film, what my heart really wants to see is Scarlett Johansson smile and have me believe it. Believe that that's an honest smile. The reason I'm so pumped for this movie, even though it didn't make my pick of the week, even though I really want to see this, is because of the supporting cast. They are great. And Kate McKinnon's Australian accent, a little over the top, sure, but it's not bad. It's it's convincing. She could just be a you know super drunk or super over-the-top Australian. And that's what keeps that little part realistic. If you see this movie, do so knowing that it's going to be a modern, raunchy comedy. And it's going to be similar to a lot of the other movies that can be considered modern comedies. The Hangover movies, Office Christmas Party, 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, things like that. Baywatch that just came out. The good thing about such formulaic movies is that you already know if you like it. You already know if this is up your alley. This does have something to offer for people who aren't normally fans of this type of movie. All-female cast is going to bring in people who want to support movies with primarily female casts or where the biggest characters are female. You're also going to get fans of Jillian Bell, Kate McKinnon, Zoe Kravitz, and Ileana Glazer coming in who may not have watched this particular film if other people were in it. This could be a movie to watch in theaters if you really want to watch a comedy and if my pick of the week doesn't interest you. So this could be the thing you want watch this week if you watch anything but whether you watch it in theaters or you watch it at home give this a shot it's going to be funny and what's better than a really good laugh not much rough night gets an 8.5 out of 11 and finally it is time for my pick of the week so what is it what movie beat out all the others to be the pick of the week especially for my one year anniversary and that movie is called the book of henry Henry is a child genius who refuses to go into any special program because his mother needs him to help her with a lot of things, including finances. One day they get new neighbors and Henry suspects that the neighbor's young girl is being abused by her stepfather. Henry starts to hatch a plan to save the girl no matter what he has to do to the stepfather. This stars Jaden Lieberer from Midnight Special, Naomi Watts from St. Vincent, Jacob Tremblay from Before I Wake, Dean Norris from Breaking Bad, Lee Pace from Halt and Catch Fire, and Maddie Ziegler from Dance Moms. Yes, Dance Moms. So I originally didn't plan on this movie being my pick, because I have to say I based the story off the poster, and also the cast, so I thought this was going to be some feel-good family drama, but after finally watching the trailer when I was doing my show notes, I found out it's anything but that. This is a drama thriller about this 
like horrible stepfather who abuses i'm assuming sexually abuses his his stepdaughter and this genius boy who figures it out and realizes that the only way to stop him is to kill him at least i'm assuming kill him because that's what the trailer is hinting at with all the with all the guns and these machines henry's building and probably trying to get the stepfather in the right place at the right time so this gun automatically goes off and kills him something like that and there's a really interesting dynamic between all of the characters especially between henry and the mother this actually angers me a bit and so I'm hoping that somewhere along the way, the mother will realize that she's not doing her son any favors because he just does all the book work. Like he gets home from school and works, balances the the checkbook and everything and takes care of everything while she sits on the couch and watches TV or drinks. Not implying she's an alcoholic, but it's just she doesn't help. And when people, when like her friends come to her and say, hey, you should find a man. She's like, oh, why do I need a man? I have Henry to do all this for me. So they're kind of balancing the character between a single mother who like works her ass off to support her family and a piece of garbage single mother. So we, we, we've seen those two types of characters in movies before. So this character is going to fall somewhere in the middle. She's not entirely garbage, but she could work a lot harder. And before anyone says anything, I understand being a single parent is difficult. But as far as this story goes, and even in real life, God, especially in real life, it's not fair to a child to put all of this on them. So we're going to have Henry in this movie who sees this wrong happening, knows it's wrong, and wants to put a stop to it. So hatches this elaborate plan because he realizes it's the only way. Why is it the only way? Why can't they just go to the police? Because the stepfather is the police. He's the police commissioner, the chief police. I forget which one. But they try. The The trailer hints at the fact that they try to take this to the law. Go, hey, lawyer person, this guy's a f***ing monster. Let's stop him. And they're like, hey, where's your actual proof? So a lot of what I'm talking about is what the trailer implies, because this trailer actually did a really good job of not showing us everything. Maybe Henry isn't really looking to kill the stepfather, but the gun is in some sort of plan to get the stepfather in trouble and in jail. Who knows? This trailer laid out what could be part of his plan, but the rest is left up to the movie to show us. And that's going to be good. It's going to keep spoilers from happening way too soon. So this movie is offering us interesting characters. We have a boy genius who is basically the man of the house, to borrow an antiquated term. I truly believe that this is the film to watch this week, especially because of the fact that Henry is a kid and all of this, all the setting up isn't going to be as easy for him. How does he get that gun? Does he have to go to his mother to get it? And even if Henry is able to document something or somehow get some evidence of the abuse, will anyone believe him because it's this kid speaking out against the police chief? So is this supposed or proposed murder the only way if you go see this movie which i do recommend you do i do recommend that this is a movie to watch in theaters i'm not sure if i'll get the chance and i'll talk more about that before i get into the question of the week but if i think this is a movie you should watch in theaters it's going to be a tense movie it's going to be heavily dramatic it's going to be dark it's going to have fantastic performances by actually two young actors the kid who plays Henry's brother is also a great young actor. Naomi Watts is really good, and I think she's doing better work now than she ever did when she was more in the spotlight. It'll be good to see Dean Norris again, and it'll be interesting seeing him play a truly despicable human being. I know he was the antagonist in Breaking Bad, though technically the good guy, and because we have here we have Heisenberg making drugs, though he's the protagonist, technically a bad guy. So it'll be interesting seeing Dean Norris being truly despicable. This movie was so well cast, I'm wondering if Maddie Ziegler can can act. Because I don't think the casting director will get 
these all these other great actors and then just hire some kid from a reality show just to fill in a spot. So hopefully she impressed the casting director or the director, producer, whoever was actually there that made this decision, impress them enough, and she's going to do a good job. Are we going to see a young actress rise in this movie? Maybe. Or maybe the character is so close to who Maddie Ziegler really is, you know, sans the abuse, that they went, oh, hey, this person is basically this character. Let's give her some basic acting lessons so she can fill in the blanks of this new character. But here's the thing about this movie that was similar about a lot of the movies this week, that there's nothing about it that really needs a theater watch. If you go and see a movie this week in theaters and you're not up for a comedy and you don't want to watch Sharks, maybe this is it. This can be the one for you because I think it's going to be a definite winner. However, it's going to be just as good on the small screen. And I think that's a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing for us because we can watch it at home and feel like we didn't really miss anything. However, it's bad for the company because they don't get that many views in theaters then. And even though the post-theater life for a film is really important, a lot of focus still goes on how much it grossed in theaters. Remember, when we hear about how well a movie did, we don't hear about the post-theater numbers. We don't hear about how many millions of copies of DVDs and Blu-rays they sold. We don't hear how many people watched it on streaming. We go, hey, this movie grossed, you know, 300 million in the theaters. It could have maybe doubled that afterwards because people are like, oh, this is a movie I actually want to buy. And so it may have doubled that later, but we won't hear about that. But of course, this isn't our problem. This is Hollywood's problem. So for us, if you don't want to watch this in theaters, not a big deal. But make sure you watch the film. The Book of Henry looks fantastic. It looks well written, well acted, well shot. It looks well everything. The Book of Henry gets a 10 out of 11. And with that, future fans, we are at the end of the movie part of the episode. But before we get into the question of the week, let me just say that next week there will not be a new episode. There's only four movies coming out. And let me just go run down the list right now. It'll be really quick. I won't even talk that much about them. So we have The Beguiled with Nicole Kidman, Kirsten Dunst, Ellie Fanning, and Colin Farrell. It takes place during the Civil War. Colin Farrell plays a soldier that gets wounded and winds up in this house full of women. He tries to like seduce all of them, I guess, and they get revenge on him by drugging him and mutilating him. So there we go. Yay. We have Transformers The Last Night, which looks like just as much garbage as all the other ones. So avoid that at all costs unless you love terrible movies. The third movie of the week is called The Bad Batch. It's a weird-ass romance where this woman leaves the United States into some territory that's not technically anywhere, gets captured by a community of cannibals, they cut off her leg and arms and eat them, then she escapes and sets out to get revenge or help other people in the situation. It's weird. It stars Jason Momoa, Keanu Reeves, Diego Luna, Jim Carrey, Giovanni Ribisi, and it says it's introducing Suki Waterhouse, someone I've never heard of, but she's the main character. It kind of looks like if Neon Demon and Mad Max Fury Road had a really weird baby. And what my pick of the week would be, I guess technically is, since I'm not doing an episode next week, what my pick of next week is, is a movie called The Big Sick. This is a romantic comedy that was written by Kumail Nanjiani, and it stars him and Holly Hunter, Ray Romano, and Zoe Kazan. Or Kazan. Whatever. Some dude and a woman... Like start dating, but then they break up because the guy's, the dude is Pakistani and his family keeps on trying to hook him up with the Pakistani women. She finds out and she's like, hey, do we have a future? He says, I don't know. I'm Pakistani. My family wants me to marry someone from Pakistan. I don't know. So she leaves, then gets really sick and goes into a coma. So it's about him sticking around her while she's in a coma and 
him getting to know her parents and kind of realizing maybe I love this woman. And that's it. Those are the only four movies coming out next week. Do you see how quick Future Flicks could be if I just didn't talk a lot? <laughs> that was four movies in like, what, a couple minutes? Anyway, again, my fiance is uh, is flying in. And I, we haven't seen each other in months, so it's going to be it's going to be awesome. And I don't want to spend a lot of time doing something else, especially when there's just four movies coming out. So let's move on to the question of the week. And last week, the question was, what is your favorite movie? You can give me a top three if you'd like, or just, you know, give me a list. I just want to hear from you. And we got quite a few answers. The first answer we got was from Brian Quintana. He says, Casablanca. Sounds cliche, but it's a fantastic story with swift, witty dialogue, great acting, brilliant lighting, some special effects that most people aren't even aware of, which which is true. I'm going to have to rewatch this movie now. And it stars Humphrey Bogart, Peter Lore, Ingrid Bergman, Conrad Veidt, and Claude Rains, just to name a few. It also has a has great music and a fantastically cheesy scene driving through the French countryside, and I fully agree. He also says that, while that's the truth, that his favorite movie is is Casablanca, it's the least interesting answer. Over the Edge, an early Matt Dillon flick is way high up there. 70s teens hate Kansas and their parents, so they set fire to the school before going up the hill to the reform school. Coolest movie ever made. He goes on to say, it was the movie you were hoping was on when you played sick from school, but Boy in the Plastic Bubble was on instead. <laughs> God, I saw, that, I saw that movie on TV so much. Oddly enough, I never saw Over the Edge on TV. Uh, I only saw Boy in the Plastic Bubble on TV. Uh, he says there were only so many times you could watch Mr. Brady be concerned about one of the sweet hot dogs before you hoped that Jenna's horse didn't make the jump. I'm torn as to whether I should talk legit movies or psychotropic cinema. Rat Fink A Boo Boo by Ray Dennis Steckler is an absolutely amazing piece of film, but not one to be acknowledged by critics, but still falls into the category of favorites. I've seen Plan 9 more times than I I care to count and once upon a time could recite lines from the Rocky Horror while also having watched and enjoyed Griffin's Intolerance. I railed at the film class in which I was the only person who understood and liked Deliverance. Really? You're the only person who understood and liked Deliverance? What the sh**? I've seen many fantastic movies and loved many horrible ones. Me too, man. <laughs> um, B-movies that people make fun of. So while I say that Casablanca is my favorite movie, I still like Purple Rain. I think that the Lethal Weapon franchise is a good time. It is. That is a fantastic answer. The next answer we got was from our friend Ken at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. He says, how odd that you just mentioned Mr. Saturday Night. That would be my one. Happy one year. Oh, thank you, buddy. And it's true. Mr. Saturday Night is a fantastic film. One of Billy Crystal's best. If any of you out there, if any of you listeners haven't seen Mr. Saturday Night, watch it. It is a great, great movie. It's written and directed by Billy Crystal. And it's about the life of Buddy Young, who was a comic legend when he was younger, but is now an old man looking for work in the present. We also got replies from the Uncorked Gamers, Dan and Gail. Gail says her favorite movie is Tron great choice while dan says his favorite movie is snatch wow it's been so long since i've seen both tron and snatch and actually mr saturday night and casablanca as well uh, thank you guys i'm gonna have to watch all of these again because they they are really good movies i'm gonna have to look into half over half of what brian talked about so i, I look forward to that i am learning more see you help me learn well maybe not over half i've seen purple rain and lethal weapon and casablanca but deliverance people didn't understand deliverance what the hell wow well, it is time for my answer to the question of the week, and this was actually difficult for me. I know I should have had the answer ready, and for the longest time, I had the same top three, but I, I've been thinking about it lately, 
not just since I asked the question, but even before. And I think it's changed. The top movie hasn't changed. That is still Gladiator. And I think it's going to take a lot to take Gladiator off the top spot. The second movie is called About Time. It's a romantic comedy with fantasy elements back in 2013. I may have talked about this on the show before. It was written and directed by Richard Curtis, who wrote and directed Love Actually and wrote Notting Hill. It stars Domino Gleeson, Rachel McAdams, Bill Nye, and Margot Robbie before she was really famous was in this. And it's not just good as far as a romantic comedy goes, it also handles time travel really well. Not how he time travels, but but the uh, the effects of time traveling and the dangers of it. That was that was handled really well. And the third movie is really what has changed the most on my list. There was a time where Inception was on there. There was a time when it was Casablanca. There was a time when it was Citizen Kane and so on. Uh, but the new one, the one I realize that truly belongs there is the one that I go back to and watch the most. I watch Gladiator a lot. I watch About Time a lot. But what I watch more than that is Ghostbusters. It's a classic. It is a true classic. It was funny. It was exciting. It was dramatic. It was a well-rounded movie that, even though I did like the reboot, it didn't even come close to the original. Like, not even in the same ballpark. Original Ghostbusters is the Major Leagues, and this is... I don't know, what's the lowest kids' league? Whatever that is. Ghostbusters was a huge part of my childhood that I wore through a couple tapes of it. I've owned it on every conceivable format, well, that I've had. So I, I, I don't have it on Laserdisc, and I never had Betamax. But other than that, I've owned it on everything. When I finally get a 4K TV, I'll probably get it on 4K if it's available there. When the next thing comes out, I'll probably own it there. I own it digitally just in case I want to watch it on my phone. It's just that good. And it's more than nostalgia. It's truly a good movie. And that's why it's on my list. And with that, it is time for next question of the week. So you actually have two weeks to answer this one since I won't be doing an episode next week. And that question is, what movie or what favorite movie of yours do you think is the most underappreciated? It could be a movie that a lot of people think is bad, but you like, or it could be a movie that people never gave a shot. So you believe most people will like it if they saw it, but hardly anyone ever thought to even watch it. So what is your favorite movie that you think is highly underrated? That is the next question we have on Future Flicks. So once again, I would just like to thank everyone. Thank everyone who's listened to the show. So thank you very much. I really appreciate your support. And I've said it before, so I'm going to say it again. It blows my mind still that people want to listen to me speak. Sure, there are probably a bunch of people that listened once, never came back. But for you, the return listener, I really appreciate you. And thank you very much. You are more important to Future Flicks than even I am, because if it wasn't for listeners, I wouldn't be doing this. Drew, I do the show because I like it, I enjoy doing it, but if I consistently got no listeners, there would be no point. So I appreciate all of you. And once again, thank you to everyone from Somewhat Nerdy, that's Somewhat Nerdy Radio, Snarf Chris, Critter, and Danger. Thank you for all of your support. Thank you to Watch Your Mouth. Thank you for all of your support. Ken, Dan, Critter. Said Critter twice, but you know, he's on both shows, so there we go. And thank you to the Nerds of the Squared Circle, to... Snarf Chris, Sam Jericho, and the dude with the headband, because you you guys always still play my promo and and never forget to tell people, hey, check out Future Flicks. So thank everyone. Thank everyone I work with and all of you listeners. I really appreciate it. So let's wrap this up as we always do with the housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, 
Tumblr, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. And quick aside, let me stop the housekeeping for this. If you listen to us, any Somewhat Nerdy podcast on a podcast app and you have trouble finding new episodes, please let us know. It just occurred to me that both Future Flicks and Nerds of the Squared Circle weren't updating on Player FM. So we're going to get that. We're going to fix that soon. I told Snarf Chris it's a little little move I like to call passing the buck. And so now he's going to get on that and fix that. But seriously, if there's ever a problem with any any way you listen, so it could be any podcast listening app, maybe I'm not up on YouTube. Send me a message going, hey, when are you going to get up on YouTube again? Just let us know if the way you prefer to listen to us isn't working. Let's get back into the housekeeping. I'd really appreciate it if you'd take a few minutes of your day to give the podcast a rating. I'd love five stars. I would really appreciate it. Or a like or a heart or thumbs up or whatever way you listen to us allows. So please do me that favor and you can leave me a comment. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I need to improve on. And how do you reach me? Great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or the Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, BilliamSWN. Email me, BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Square Circle, also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Check out the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, a fantastic swearity that is now back from their break, and they have a new episode dropping tomorrow, or technically today, since that's when I'm going to post it. Be sure to listen to them. Never forget to check out the Uncork Gamers. Uh, I was on the last episode. It's a two-hour episode. We talked about E3, and I was a little useless because I didn't fully watch E3. I watched clips here and there, but they, they really know their stuff, so they... They really do. Check out the Encore Gamers. Don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy site for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. Here's to another year, and I'll see you in the future. <laughs>